0: just like it known for the record that I am not an infant 100% of the time. 10.
1: 9. Oh, God. 8. (laughs) 7.
2: 6. 5. Okay. I hate you. Welcome to Hey, did you ever see that movie? I'm your host, Des, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lynn.
1: You know what they say, people in glass houses sink ships.
2: And joining us again, the podcaster with a thousand potions, Mickey.
0: Where are you going? Nowhere.
2: And a new mic, I might add. This (laughs) week, we will be discussing the 1999 action thriller, Boondock Saints, written and directed by Troy Duffy. Starring Norman Reedus, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Willem Defoe. As always, this movie will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Then come back and listen to the podcast. And now it's time for another installment of Disaster Peace Theater. (laughs) So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to Disaster Peace Theater. Well, me and my two co-hosts will have out one scene from the movie that we are reviewing for you this evening. So please, sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. Quiet on the set!
1: Ember Speed,
2: sound production, take one. So, well, we've got the huge guy in a serial killer theory, old chap. What's your name? Detective (laughs) Greenlee. Who the fuck are you? Sherlock Holmes. That's who the fuck I am.
1: Listen, I gotta do this by the numbers. ID just came back on these guys and they got connections to the Russian mob. That makes it a federal matter. And Agent Smacker here is headed up this investigation with our full cooperation. Why
2: don't you get me a full cup of coffee, Dana Watson? Who the hell? Coffee latte? What the fuck? Twist of lemon, yeah?
0: Chief, what the fuck is this?
2: And sweet and low, boy.
0: Ha <laughs> ha. Cut!
2: Cut! Cut! <laughs> okay. That's the okay. worst
1: British accent I've ever
2: heard. I don't know. I was trying to do fucking Sherlock Holmes. Is he British?
0: <laughs> he, he is, but you aren't.
2: Okay. <laughs> And now it's time for Desi's 4 1 Fun and One Fake Fact, where it will be up to my two co hosts to decide which fact is total bullshit. Fact number one In the scene where the McManus brothers get into the bar fight with the Russians, Duffy is actually seen standing in the background and doing nothing after the fight starts. In fact, his whole band, the Boondock Saints, formerly the Brood, have cameos. In this scene. Number two. Bill Conley was having so much fun playing a psycho with guns strapped all over him that they had to add a large cigar. The character insistently, incessantly, <laughs> insensitively smoked because unless they stuck something in his mouth, he simply couldn't stop smiling. Incessantly was smoking this cigar. Number three. Robert, no, number three. (laughs) Reportedly, Duffy wouldn't even consider Brad Pitt in any role, and on a phone call with his casting agent, calls Keanu Reeves a punk and Ethan Hawke a talentless (laughs) fool. Number four, Sean Patrick Flannery is first cousins with Chris Cornell, formerly of Soundgarden, helping him secure the role of Connor as Duffy was a huge Soundgarden fan and ultimately was given use of two Soundgarden songs which never made it to the movie. And number five, Duffy had a drunken fight with Ewan McGregor over the death penalty while out drinking at a bar. Ewan possibly being <laughs> cast in the... While being in a bar, disgusting Ewan possibly being cast in the movie. Ewan pulled out, Ewan peeled out, and the studio put the film in turnaround. Okay, I'm sure that was very clear for you and all our listeners.
0: I'd like Uh, you to repeat that one, please.
2: Okay, let me repeat number five for you. Duffy had a drunken fight with Ewan McGregor over the death penalty while out at a bar discussing Ewan possibly being cast in the movie resulting in Ewan pulling out of the film and the studio putting the film into turnaround.
0: Yeah, Ewan McGregor.
2: Ewan McGregor, correct.
0: Ewan McGregor?
2: Yeah, Ewan McGregor, a famous Um, Brit. No?
0: He's not a Brit. Okay,
2: well, neither am I. So, Mickey, which of these five facts do you think is total bullshit?
0: I should know this. I feel like it is the Soundgarden one.
2: Okay,
0: and Delin,
2: I may have given this away. Which fact do you think is bullshit?
1: I'm going to go with and McGregor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, what we've got here is we've got a little case of inception, okay? I am Dom Cobb, and I incepted a thought into Delin's mind earlier. When I told her while we were watching this movie... You did. Isn't it amazing how much Sean Patrick Flannery looks like Chris Cornell, his cousin? And she went, wow, he does look a lot like him. So I was total bullshit and I was just bullshitting her. She fell for it. Sink, line, in, (laughs) hook. So anyway, Mickey, you got it right. Yeah, the, the Soundgarden one is absolute bullshit. And I'm sure oh, no. Galen would have got it too if I hadn't um, pulled the old Jedi mind trick yeah, on he, it. Yeah, like, you totally
1: re- Jedi mind tricked me. Yeah, You're like
2: like Ewan McGregor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you Obi-Wan'd me. It was not good.
2: I fucking Obi-Wan'd you all day. I couldn't believe what you I'm like, doesn't he look exactly like his first cousin, Chris Cornell?
1: <laughs> 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 oh. okay. I bought it. I bought you it. did buy it.
2: Okay, and uh, let's see. With a box office, uh, I'm sorry, with a budget of $6 million and a box office gross of over $30 million, this movie was considered a moderate success. Um, and yeah, that's and what I got on yeah, this. quite
0: a bit of... Um, a quite you a guys bit probably of... froze up on me for a minute, so I, I heard this movie was considered, and then that's all I heard.
2: Okay, so let's... Uh, start do that one more time in case I have to edit it. Thank With you. a budget of $6 million and a box office gross of over $30 million, this movie was considered a moderate success.
1: And I think it's probably done a little bit better since that number
0: because it's become a cult classic hit. So, uh,
2: oh, I'm sure.
0: I'm oh sure, my God, yeah. this movie is insanely popular, like on DVD. Um, and I think the reason they didn't release it in theaters or they they may have released it in theaters, but only for a short time, was because of Columbine, okay.
2: right? Yeah, I, I don't think it got the um the theatrical release that it should have. I believe it was kind of like um talk radio where it it just didn't hit enough theaters to get that giant um yeah. return. So, uh, so let me ask you guys, Flynn, had you ever seen this movie before?
0: No,
1: okay.
2: I knew Mickey, a lot I about it, but it. I'd never seen it. You've definitely seen the movie before, correct, Mickey? Oh
0: yeah, dozens of times. Yeah.
2: Okay, and I've never seen the movie before. Um, I was expecting uh, Boondock Saints, something like that, maybe like Mystic River, movie like that, and it's not what we got, okay? (laughs) Um, What I basically got here was the same thing I got last week. I got a movie that was not intended to be a comedy, or maybe it was intended to be a comedy, who knows? But, um, you know, there's not a lot of jokes written into this movie, but I'm laughing through the whole fucking thing. I mean, it's it's brilliant. So, yeah. So, go ahead and give us the synopsis, Dylan.
1: Uh, it's it's good satire, honestly. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. All right. So, here's our synopsis. Short and sweet. Uh, two Irish Catholic brothers become vigilantes and wipe out Boston's criminal underworld in the name of God. Amen.
2: <laughs> okay. That's short and sweet. I wrote it, so... <laughs>
1: You left um, me right. that. That's what you did.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, just start us off.
1: Okay. Bring we'll get we'll get right into it then. Unless we have any other opening thoughts anybody wants to pop in?
2: Mickey? Uh,
0: no, I'll save my thoughts for Okay. There we go.
1: Good enough. Here we go. So our film opens with Mass in a Boston Catholic Church where Irish-American fraternal twin brothers, Connor McManus, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, and Murphy McManus, played by Norman Reedus, pray while a sermon is being read. Mentioning Kitty Genovese, a real-life crime victim, brutally murdered, and it was reported that her neighbors watched without intervening. As the priest begins his homily, the brothers approach the altar and kiss the feet of the crucifix. They depart as the priest reminds the congregation that they should fear not just evil, but also the indifference of good men. The brother concluded that the priest finally understands. Connor stating, I do believe the Monsignors finally got the point. And Murphy replying, I. So, Mickey, the story of Kitty Genovese, while uh, real, is also a victim of the parable effect because her murder was senseless and horrific. I'm not trying to say that. But there were not 37 witnesses that stood and watched and did nothing, as the media reported at the time. There were far less than that. And one man even yelled out the window that made the attacker run off. And um, others had tried to reach the police, but the murder took place pre nine one one. You had to dial zero and hope an operator would be willing to patch you through to the police. So the case, however, is often cited as one of the inspirations for nine one one. So all that being said, the writers are making a point here that's still well made and succinct, even though Kitty Genovese, the story, isn't exactly quite as um, grotesque as the the myth
0: is. You know um yeah and i think honestly that scene i think was such a powerful scene and i love how they're sitting there and they're in prayer and the little girl's like staring at them and the parents are like don't fuck with them you know what i mean (laughs) and um and it's funny because the first time you see the movie you don't really know why you don't fuck with them you just don't fuck with them um and then i love when they're walking up and the guy stands up and the other guy's like no just let them do it because i think at that point they were already like you know these two um although they seem like shady dudes they're actually good guys um i thought i just thought that was a really powerful scene it set the tone for their uh, reputation i guess i don't know i don't know if that's the word but i almost wonder if this scene actually takes place like
1: technically in the middle of the movie not that's what i thought too yeah, because yeah. it's like they almost seem to already have a rep- reputation. They almost seem to ha- like whereas you know when they're at the meat packing plant and all that stuff, which we will get to. But you know the beginning of the movie, um, it seems almost like they're just dudes. You know right. they're you know so it was like geez, they kind of almost have to have like this reputation, but they just
0: well I, and again too like and I think we'll get there eventually. But that epiphany that they have in when they're sleeping over at the jail Mm -hmm. when they both wake up and they're like holy shit you know what i mean right
2: i thought that that was uh i think that's a good observation that this scene definitely felt like it was um out of sequence in the movie i felt the same thing i felt like this this maybe was taken from another spot like you said Mm -hmm. um what was interesting about this scene well so it sets a mood like i said kind of like mystic river or um or uh The other one that I was talking about, um, The Departed, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready for like a very heavy, deep, gritty gangster movie, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm buckling in for this. And, you know, we meet these two brothers and they're and throughout the whole movie, these two guys are playing it very much like Mystic River or The Departed. They're they're bringing a very uh, hard, gritty uh, performance to this movie and they never break out of it. I love that. Um, so by the time they leave the church and they light their cigarettes, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm getting. (laughs) And I thought that was really cool. And I don't know if they were, I don't know if Duffy was like intentionally doing a misdirect here to try and mislead the audience into what they're about to see, because we are literally about to be brought into a universe. that reminds me very much of, um, big trouble in little China from last week. Like, just gobs and gobs of satire. Um, all the other characters are going to be over the top, like out of, like I had said, when I first started watching this, once we break out of the scene in the next few scenes, it starts to smell like Monty Python to me. It starts to have characters that feel like they're out of like Austrian power movies, like bad guys that are over the top with their big cigars and they're, you know, those Russian gangsters. And yeah, Ron so Yeah. Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. And all these characters. I mean, these cops, um, you know, Defoe, they're all over the top. They're all cartoon characters. They're not, they don't feel like real people. They feel like satire. And I love it. So yeah, great opening scene. Great opening scene.
1: Yes. Agreed. So the brothers work at a local meatpacking plant, and there's a brief scene here with a woman trainee being insulted by a turn of phrase and then actually getting punched by one of the brothers when she attacks the other. Later, while celebrating St. Patrick's Day in a neighborhood bar, three Russian soldiers, led by Ivan Chekhov, enter and order everyone to leave as their organization has decided to evict the pub. In the ensuing bar brawl, the brothers and their friends publicly humiliate the mobsters. The next morning, Agent Paul Smeker, played by Willem Dafoe, is called to a murder scene and he begins trying to dissect what happened. In a flashback, we see that the gangsters, not able to take the L from the night before, show up at the absolutely disgusting hovel the brothers are living in and ambush them. As Murphy is dragged into a nearby alley to be executed, Connor escapes to the roof and drops a toilet, along with himself, off of the roof and onto the mobsters, killing Killing them and rescuing Murphy. So Des, I know you have a lot to say about these scenes.
2: Yeah. Um, so in this meat packing scene, we're gonna meet this woman. She's tattooed, she's big. Um, I love this character. I I was so disappointed. I was sure she was gonna be part of this movie when I first when we first meet her. I'm like, this is a great character. I could see her coming back in the movie and you know, you know, pulling them out of some some situation here or there with a hard right hook. She's Boston, she's gritty, she's big. And I understand that um, Duffy's trying to set up that these brothers would do anything for each other. But I did not like Murphy punching her in the face. I didn't think it was a good scene. I thought it was over the top. I didn't think that it made me like the character of Murphy, which he won me over, you know, a few scenes later. I was fine with him, but I just thought that this was a misstep. I really did. It didn't work for me.
0: I think they I think they did it to just show, like, I don't know why they did it, but I, for me, I think they did it to show, like, that those brothers, they protect each other and they don't give a shit. Like, honestly, you know, it's really like, oh, to hit anybody, but for a man to hit a woman, it's, like, super taboo. And so for them for him to just haul off and punch her square in the face. I think that they're what he what Troy Duffy was trying to show you is these brothers really don't give a shit what um what anyone thinks of them. They they're all about having each other's back, period. And I think while the scene may not have been kind of necessary, I, I think that's, you know, it it also shows you know, when Connor was trying to be like, oh, perhaps it should have been a rule of the wrist, you know, like trying to mm-hmm. joke with her, like, hey, it's St. Patty's, everybody's fun. And, and she's like, fuck you guy. You know, like, I think it was just to show, like, no matter what, they have each other's back. And if you can't take a joke, well, then fuck you, you know? Yeah.
2: It was effective. It was effective. But did you guys like her character? Could you have seen her coming back in the movie?
0: Well, so my problem
1: being, you know, like, so he obviously doesn't know that that's what rule of thumb comes from. So she could have used that as a a teaching moment to say, hey, you know, like that's actually a little misogynistic. It was used because, you know, men used to beat their wives, blah, blah, blah. And instead she gets super butthurt over it and won't let it go. And it's like she kind of like I'm not saying she deserved to get punched in the face, but she kind of wasn't letting it go. Like your your first day on this job getting trained and you can't just not do that. Like I thought that she kind of was a little abrasive.
2: Yeah, fuck her. She deserved it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, can
1: we can we also talk about uh, the arrival of Agent Paul Smecker?
2: <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Let's go into the bar next. Let's keep it in uh, chronological okay. order. My bad.
1: Go for it. <laughs> um.
2: So I love these little information dumps. We're going to get these little quick information dumps that are set up in um in written form, and it's kind of cool. It's charming, you know, like when uh. You know the the Russian gang comes in, and you know it's gonna sit tell you who we're who we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a simple way to um set characters up, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I fucking loved this bartender with Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> he is fucking great to this whole movie. People in glass houses sink ships. Like he's fucking great. I love it. <clears throat>
1: The
0: mixed I don't metaphors. know if it's true or not, but someone and I—I I never really looked, but someone said that that was Mr. Hooper from Sesame Street. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. No. no, no. Um. But yeah, I love that scene, and I love how, you know, clearly all these guys, um, have been hanging out together a while, and that was that is Troy Duffy in the overalls. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I just I love that scene, and you know. Even when they're faced with you know big, angry, mean Russian guys coming in to threaten them, they're still like, "Hey, everybody's Irish today, you know what I mean they're just they're just guys living their life having fun
2: totally, and they're just
0: i don't know it just I love that scene to because it really shows like to me it shows how I don't want to say loyal, but just how they are with their group, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, um, it's funny because this scene. This is where we're gonna. This is where I really started noticing. This is where I was like, "Oh, okay, I, I understand what we're seeing now." Because, like in um, The Departed, we get the the bar scene in Boston where he says, "There's some guys you can hit, and there's some guys you can almost hit." You know, this guy is a guy you can almost hit. And this scene in The Departed <laughs> is very um, uh, kind of like um, Goodfellas. Like you're really you're you're in a real life situation here and it feels really true this again feels like an austin powers movie i mean with these three fucking russians come in and you know "Ah," and he's bald and you know the the other guys making the looks in the background i'm like this is fucking hilarious and you know and then the fight breaks out so yeah I, i i thought that the guy duffy gets a A hard rap on this one. They said he didn't have the chops to make this movie and they gave him all this money to do it because he wasn't going to give up the script unless he got to direct it and just do it his way. Right. And I think he got a bum rap. I mean, I think he was balancing these two great lead characters playing it straight with all these cartoon characters that were, you know, it was sweet and sour. It was, you know, it was really good. I, I loved it. So I was getting it right off the bat.
1: So, just a quick interjection: the uh, bartender is played by a man named Gerard Parks, and uh, he played Doc on Fraggle Rock. So, if you ever watched Fraggle Rock as a kid, he's basically the one. Thank you. Yes, so he's not not Hooper, but he is—he was part of our childhood in some way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, maybe that's what it was. I just okay.
2: All right. Um, Do you guys have anything else in that scene?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, because we have to talk about Paul Smacker. Mm.
2: okay well we're going to the alley now
1: yes let's go into the alley okay. please okay i mean amazing uh, ama- first of all that entrance with the guitar playing uh, and he's got the hair going and i'm just so like good. dang it's yeah. so good
2: <laughs> yeah he gets out of that car and i'm just like yes please i mean this is the best Willem. i'm a huge willem defoe fan Me huge too. this is by far hands down not even close the best willem defoe i have ever seen this is his best performance. I had no idea the man had uh, this, this comedy timing like this. And he's doing it without trying to be funny, but he fucking is hilarious. And um, I also just want to mention uh, how great it was when um, the brother escapes the handcuffs by pulling the toilet out of the mm. fucking floor. And then he, he fucking kills the guy with a toilet from the fucking third floor i was just like fucking yes he just killed a man with a toilet and then jumps off the balcony
0: and fucking crushes the the guy with his
2: foot (laughs) and becomes a serial crusher
0: he was serial crushed by this huge fucking guy oh god that's fucking great i love um i love that they to me it seems like what he did was he gave a little like homage or nod to the professional with um smecker with his earphones and the classical music how gary did that in the professional Definitely. um i love that scene and he's i love how you can see you can see on his face he's putting it together what happened you know when he's like check that building over there and you know and though the neighbors didn't see anything well you're lucky you got a phone call in this neighborhood you know and um and i love the interactions with him and bob marley
2: Oh, him and greenlee <laughs> the foil between these two is what just it's it's so good and how greenlee is always oh, so wrong he's got it so wrong and uh so many you times know, <laughs> fucking smacker you know so uh we've got a huge guy in a serial crusher theory genius you know he's like you fucking <laughs> idiot go get me a coffee so good um
0: Next time you wanting a bagel with my coffee. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. And like I had written here, you know, it's, and I actually wrote this while I was doing my notes of watching. I said, this feels like a gritty modern day Monty Python movie. Mm-hmm. I wrote that. And this is before I knew the deuce was going to be played by a Monty Python actor and one of the big actors for Monty Python. So I kind of feel like maybe he did have that actor did have some fingerprints on this movie and a little input.
0: This is another one of those roles that Willem Dafoe did that I I can't, I cannot think of another actor that could have pulled that off.
2: Nope. nope. Like and, uh, and Duffy gets some great shots of him and he repeats it a couple of times. So there's a, sh- there's a shot in this scene where um, Smekker's walking down the alley, listening to the music and we're getting a back shot from him and he's kind of conducting the music and we're going to get the same shot in the police office that's coming up where he says they were angels and he's flapping his wings And it's a shot from behind and it's the Mm -hmm. same shot. And I thought it was great. I thought that, um, I thought that Duffy was like catching. He was, I don't know. Just the way he was shooting Defoe was really building this character as well as Defoe was building it by the acting. It was excellent. It was excellent. I agree. Yeah.
1: Was, uh, was Billy Conley really in Monty Python? Fuck. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was in fucking, uh, uh, Holy Grail, or whatever it is.
1: Oh, right, right. Well, yeah. I'm thinking of the show, and I don't think he was on the show.
2: No, the movies.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Because I'm not like...
2: sure if he was. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was in Life of Brian or not, but I know he definitely did. Um,
1: he definitely did that. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. I just was saying, like, I'm thinking about the show, and I'm like, I don't think he was on that show.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I saw him immediately, I I was like, wow, it's not a coincidence that I wrote that earlier in the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: and I love, I love Smacker too. You know, uh, it's ass kissing time and we're going to start with you. And he points his fucking greenly.
0: <laughs> so good. I didn't know um, who Bob Marley was before this movie. And granted this movie came out in like what? 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. uh, 1999. Oh wow. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Um. So I didn't know who Bob Marley was, but. Oh, my God. He, like, he is, and I didn't know, like, he was a comedian outside of, I just And a reggae singer. (laughs) Every little thing's going to be okay. I just love him. And I even love the guy, um, I forget the character's name, uh, with the tie. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the name either the the other two detectives the one that's kind yeah. of soft spoken i just i love how defoe comes in and just and you can tell like most cops would be like who the fuck is this guy you know what i mean and he just comes in and he honestly even though he makes fun of uh greenlee being an idiot like he wins them over because he's so fucking smart
1: yeah and Absolutely. he's he's
0: just his instincts are so good he dismantles yeah. them but then he's
1: backing <laughs> it up with his you know right his backs and his, his and he's
0: also teaching them. Like he's saying, mm-hmm. why would you blah, 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 you know, how about what if you were blah, blah, blah. And so I think, <coughs> excuse me, he was doing it to teach, but also a little bit of, you know, he is,
2: mm-hmm. he is teaching them and he is smarter than them. And as the movie goes on, we're going to see at one point, once he decides that he is on the side of the brothers, he starts using their naive, um, their naive and their simple, police work. Like these guys just aren't on the same level and he'll start um, putting them on a wild goose chase. Um, he'll give them a theory that he knows is wrong to, to set them off the scent. We'll get to it. Um, and what I also said to Dylan was, I noticed that we're going to get this scene over and over again through the movie where they're going to bring us to a, scene, a crime scene. We're going to see what happened and he's going to talk us through it, but it doesn't get old. And now if they played it the same way four times in a row, this would have gotten old. But each time they change it just a little bit until we get to the final one where he's actually in the scene as it's happening, right. narrating it. So I thought that was very clever by Duffy. So I'm really disappointed he got such a bad rap for uh, his direction on this because I think he did a very good job.
1: Yeah. And the scene we were talking about it too was uh, when uh, Smecker's in the alleyway and the camera's coming down the alley towards him. And it just like, like some really clever camera yeah, work, and it wasn't definitely. like heavy-handed.
0: It was just clever, you know. It was. I even it just loved looked good. I even loved the camera work of the two viewpoints where you get Connor's viewpoint with the toilet, and then you get Murphy's viewpoint Looking from the up. ground, so yeah, you can see them both kind of happening at the same time. I loved that.
2: Definitely. Yep. They, yep. they definitely connected to two brothers very tightly. So you're almost watching this movie through the eyes of both of them at certain points. And how, which,
0: and I love how clever. they showed, like when he, when he was, you know, um, they're trying to find the bullets and the bullet casings or whatever, <coughs> excuse me. And then in the scene, you see how they knock it. And the guy goes, bam, you know what I mean? Then you're like, Oh, yeah, there
2: it is. Mm-hmm. I love the cop. I can only find one bullet. Did you check under the body? Ah, oh, there it is. Fucking <laughs> great uh so bring us into the hospital
1: all right so uh, well so uh, skipping over the hospital scene a little bit unfortunately uh so uh they're gonna go to the hospital because they're all you know beat up and doc goes and gets them and he uh swears a lot in front of a couple of nuns and that's pretty funny and uh the police are now beginning a manhunt for the killers of the two russians uh connor and murphy arrive at the police station to clear their names because they know that you know they know that the gig is up. They're not stupid enough to think that they could just walk away and nothing's going to happen. Uh, during the initial interrogation, the brothers impress Smeker with their multilingualism. And while recalling the specifics of the bar fight and subsequent self defense, the next morning Smecker believes their story and allows them to stay overnight in a holding cell to evade the press that night, Connor and Murphy receive a vision from God, telling them to destroy all that is evil so that that which is good may flourish. So, um mickey i personally loved this scene because of all the little jokes with the cops getting coffees and bagels for Smecker. and then in the interrogation room connor's eating a bagel so clearly Greenlee had accepted defeat and just went and got the bagels
0: yes and i love i and i love like defoe's character when you see him when he realizes the these two aren't just you know Irish Boston Hood rats, they're, you know, they they actually they're educated, they're intelligent. Multilingual. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, how many yeah. languages do they speak? And in like they spoke like seven in that scene, you know. Yep. Um, and I love when he's like when he said, What are you doing in a fucking meat packing plant? You know what I mean? And they never really answer because I think they're just simple guys that just, you know, they just yeah. want to do what they do. But I and I love that scene when they both wake up at the same time. And they get that like awakening, and I'm like, that scene was so, so powerful. And the first time I saw the movie, I wasn't even thinking about it. That that's when they were like, this is what we're gonna do. Right? It's, yeah, the it was an time, epiphany.
2: It was an epiphany.
0: Yeah, it was the second time that I saw it that I went, oh, okay, now I get why they decided to do. It. Like it, it took me like a minute. Um, but I I love that scene.
2: I'm so glad these two brothers weren't written like Rocco. Because it would have been too much. If everybody was Rocco in this movie and everybody was Greenlee, this movie would have been stupid. But yeah. when you get that when you get that sweet and sour between these characters, man, does it work? Mm-hmm. Um in the hospital. So this scene is a classic Monty Python scene. You're gonna get the three nuns standing there with, you know, black eyes and fat lips, and you're gonna get the bartender with the trets, you know, speaking in the in the yeah, <laughs> fucking fuck shit, fuck, and you know. That's just slapstick. It's Monty Python. It's a visual. It's a visual gag. It's it's great. And then, yeah. like the Lynn said, you know, they look at the little kid and say, "That wasn't directed at you." And scene. It's a mm-hmm. fucking. It's it's genius. It's amazing. And I love that
0: they showed the brothers like playing with the little kid with the hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I, that's an. I think to me, that's another little, a little thing that shows how, like, genuinely good these two are.
2: Yeah. Um, But Duffy is going out of his way. I mean, this could have been a much different scene where they're giving, you know, the evidence to the bartender to hold and it could have been done in a very good fellas type of way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, yeah, you, know, you know, they're they're hiding this evidence from this, you know, nefarious crime. But instead, Duffy's gonna give us this fucking scene where the bartender is snapping with Shred Cinder in front of three nuns that look like they were in a bar fight. It's fucking hilarious. Um and then so, so this first scene coming into the police station, you know, snecker. Smecker's going to give us like one of the best lines I've ever heard Defoe deliver ever. First of all, I'd like to thank whichever one of you donut munching barrel ass, bud pulling, suck sissies leaked us to the press. I must've rewound it three times and listened to it. <laughs> I fucking loved it. And then he looks over at the fucking detective and he goes, and we've got a, what did he say when he's like a wicked big cereal crusher." <laughs>
0: Oh, no, he was cereal crushed by some huge fucking guy,
2: yeah, he was cereal crushed <laughs> by some huge fucking guy. He's so oh, it's fucking it's it's great. and then, you know, greenly, wow, these guys are a million miles away by now. You probably won't say them anywhere near a cop. They're scared shitless, and they walk right through the door. Thanks I'm for like coming
0: out, yeah that, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah,
2: probably so right, have a better look
0: with beer, yeah. Yeah,
2: drag a potato down the street, down the streets of fucking East Boston. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said to Dolan. I said, so are we starting to understand the potato reference now? Or maybe we shouldn't be throwing it around so willy-nilly in our podcast every week.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, God. Okay. Uh, I also I love loved that, yeah.
1: there was a scene where... um Defoe is talking to the police and he goes, they're not little angels. And it's like from behind and he's like wiggling his fingers. And it's like, that was a great shot. Very
2: similar to the alley shot that we just got from the crime scene. And Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm saying is Duffy, he's directing this movie brilliantly. Um,
0: And I even love kind of like the casual like and to me, this is something that I feel like a lot of people wouldn't think to put in the movie but you know when connor goes to make the phone call cuz he gets the russian's pager and the guy like, look at this and he's like saints and 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 norman's like oh body of christ and he takes like the coffee and he's like baptizing them <laughs> i think i just think that's so clever and so funny <laughs> yeah so
2: what came first this or um the hangover this came this, first right this yeah okay yeah. so the hangover borrowed from this movie a lot because we're going to get the exact same thing where um, you know, we're going to see the guys wake up in the morning. What happened? And then they're going to show us what happened on the back end of these scenes. So we're seeing the result of the night first. And then they're showing us how they got there with these scenes. And it's played almost note for note off of this movie, The uh, the Hangover is. So I think this movie influenced a pretty uh, a pretty popular franchise <laughs> there, for sure. There's no way that guy didn't see this.
1: I mean, the thing is, it's like, so it's like that time jumpy thing. And he's definitely using the thing where you see the result and then you go back and find out how it played out. Now, granted, that's pretty much the only thing it has in common with The Hangover, because The Hangover is a slapstick comedy. But
2: this is a slapstick comedy. (laughs) I hate to break the news to you. This is a slapstick comedy. I
1: disagree. He shoots the fucking cat,
2: and then they tape a little tiny fucking picture <laughs> over the fucking giant fucking blood. This is a fuck, dude. This is a heavy-handed comedy, and it's, it's wrapped a black up comedy. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's it's silly. This movie is silly.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it slapstick. Maybe like a dark comedy. Maybe a action. I don't know, man. Three dark nuns. comedy three
2: nuns standing with fat lips and black eyes with a guy with Tourette's and saying fuck shit fuck I mean that's fucking that's not a dark comedy that's fucking slapstick it just is <laughs> I mean that the fact that those nuns had black eyes and fat lips it's not like they were even there like praying over some guy that just died you know like he made it a point to like make them like East Boston
1: nuns they're fucking getting bar fights kid you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
1: All right. So, uh, the brothers resolve to rid Boston of evil men, quote unquote, trademark. The brothers trade in weapons and valuables stolen from the mobsters' bodies for their own, and use Connor's knowledge of Russian to locate a meeting between Russian syndicate bosses at a local hotel. Crashing into the room through an overhead air duct, the brothers draw their guns and fire, killing eight underbosses. This forces the leader... To uh, his knees, where they execute him as well. They place pennies over the eyes of each dead man. While the brothers are preparing to leave the hotel, they're surprised to find their friend Rocco, played by David Della Rocco, dressed as a bellboy knocking at the door with a tray of food. They decide to fuck with him and pull him into the hotel room, concealing their identity with masks, and threaten to execute him. Eventually, they reveal their identities to Rocco, who decides to join the brothers in their mission. Agent Smecker is then called to the crime scene. He announces that since the killing involved the Russian mob, he thinks that the executions were the result of a feud between the Russians and Italian mobs. Uh, Des, and I know you have a theory about what's going on with Smecker at this point.
2: Yes. Um, I also want to just give you one more line from the interrogation room. You'll have to check with your mother, but it's okay with me if your little friend wants to sleep over. I mean, <laughs> fucking... He is fucking delivering. I I love that. I I was like popping wood <laughs> on that line. I'm like Defoe <laughs> is fucking bringing it. Um, so we didn't go into Gi- Giuseppe's office. Um, I would like to just talk oh, about yeah, that please. scene. So, by all means, um, in that scene, we're going to get Ron Jeremy here again. This is fucking this. This guy. It, this character is over the top. This is not even a dark comedy. This is a fucking a skit right out of Saturday Night Live. I mean, Ron Jeremy doesn't look anything like a real person here. This is about, <laughs> I, but I Does but ever? I love it. No, but I but I love it. I, I love it. I mean, I'm expecting him to like have sex with a woman. Like this is like porno Ron Jeremy. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: He looks um, like Ron Jeremy.
2: He looks like Ron Jeremy dressed up like Elvis. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um and Giuseppe. So we're going to meet Giuseppe. And I was saying to Delyn, so I was never sure if this was like the guy I was supposed to hate. I get it. He's the crime boss. I get it. He's the bad guy. But he's very charming. And even when he's being mean, he's always like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, I like Giuseppe. I thought he was a likable character. um, Even kind of like Hans Gruber, I hate to say it, but not in that good way. Like Hans Gruber was like, A great villain. Giuseppe's not a great villain. He's a great character, but he's not a great villain. Um, So they force Rocco to tell a joke. Dolin, I would like you to tell the joke for our. our I
1: will not tell that joke.
2: Mickey, would you like to tell the joke for our
0: listeners?
2: Absolutely (laughs) not, because I think
0: the listeners should see the movie if they haven't.
2: (laughs) Okay, I didn't think you were going to tell that joke, and uh, I don't blame you for a second.
0: It's uh, very racially colorful.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and you can even
0: tell that Rocco's like, when he says it and they're like, blah, he's like, yeah, that's what I said. Like, you can tell he doesn't even want to say it. He
2: doesn't want to say it at all. And it's very funny. And uh, this actor is um, with his, again, with his facial expressions and the pacing of this joke, the way it's told and the way Giuseppe and Jeremy will not let him off the hook with this. This, again, is very Monty Python. Like when we're talking about like when, you know, the life of Brian, for instance, when he's, you know, to face the Roman temple with all the uh, with all the uh, Christian lettering and stuff. And, you know, same thing. They're leading him through these jokes and making him say things he doesn't want to say. And it's very reminiscent. And I just felt like it wasn't a, a coincidence. I loved it. I loved it. 100%. Um, so they're going to go in, they're going to meet an arms dealer. The arms dealer scene is great. Um, it's it all very, scene. yeah. And this movie definitely, again, I'm not sure which one came first. Probably Tarantino came first, correct?
1: Which Tarantino uh, Reservoir thought. Dogs? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Let me check. Okay.
2: So this movie borrows from Reservoir Dogs and it also borrows from, um,
1: Oh, yeah. 92 Pulp. for Reservoir yeah, Dogs. It
2: borrows from Pulp Fiction and it borrows from Reservoir Dogs. Um, it has the same flavor. You know, neither of those movies are comedies at all, but they both did have some satire. And this arms dealer scene really kind of reminded me of Reservoir Dogs. I thought it was really good. It also kind of reminded me of the uh, pawn shop scene from um, Pulp Fiction, you know, where... Bruce Wallace is kind of looking for what weapon he wants to use. You know, he'll grab one and, ah, there's fucking chainsaw's over the top. And, you know, and they're doing the same thing. He's got the Tommy gun. That's ah, probably too much, you know? So, yeah, really cool stuff.
0: I love the scene. I love when they, when they, he turns the light on and, and they, you have like the old, the old darling song. And they're like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: the music too. Again, music that doesn't match the scene. Which is really cool, and that's very Tarantino. So I and I, I love enjoyed that.
0: I love the back and forth with Connor and Murphy when he's like, "Need he a rope for?" It. and he's like, "Oh, is that right, Rambo?" and he holds up the knife like <laughs> this one wants the rope and this one wants the knife, and they're like jabbing each other for it. I love it. Yes, yeah.
2: yes. and that rope is going to come back into play, in such. just such an Austin Powers kind of way. It's just so like, they're not, like, Duffy's not even asking you to believe this. He's not even asking you to suspend your belief. He's just saying, this is fun. Just fucking go with it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. so I loved in Smecker's apartment, he's going to get a phone call. He's there with his lover. And the lover wants to cuddle.
1: And, uh, And he basically calls him a fag.
2: You know, well, he doesn't
1: basically call him fag, yeah. he does call him a fag. Yeah,
2: he's, he's giving him that basic I'm not gay, you sucked my dick. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: right, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: So you're the gay I, one, yeah, yeah. I really love that. Smecker, like, I'm not sure Smecker even knew exactly what his character was, but I love that. I mean, we're gonna get him in drag. We're going to get him being the man's man. We're going to get him being the uh, insensitive gay lover. Uh, He's just so many fucking layers to this character. And then he also becomes unhinged at certain parts in this movie where it's not even explained why he's acting the way he's acting, but I don't give a fuck. I'm like, at one point, he drops to his knees and he's almost recreating the scene from Platoon where he's shot dead <laughs> below the helicopter. And I swear he did this as a nod to that movie. Would you guys agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, the, the, the scene the is almost The body language exact. is
1: so, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's, and I believe they may have even slowed down the film a little bit, but I, I can't say for sure.
1: <laughs> I think they did.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the scene where they shoot the cat, I mean- that's oh, scene... we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead then. No,
1: but but you you haven't covered yet what you were telling me about Smecker and what his oh, oh, thought process yeah. so, is. So,
2: so they fall through the ceiling, John Bender style, uh, breakfast club. <laughs> they come through the ceiling, they're hanging from this <laughs> fucking rope, just happens to be at the perfect height. They spin around together, they happen to be back to back. They're going to take out nine guys, these guys aren't going to get one shot on them.
1: <laughs> it's fucking
2: it's fucking great. It's fucking I'm just sitting there watching it going, "Okay, yeah.
0: Sure. Love it." And you no. don't care. You don't it's one of those movies where you don't even care that the likelihood of that actually happening is probably like negative 50%. You know what I mean? Like you're just yeah. like, "Let's fucking go with it cuz this is great." Yeah, yeah.
2: cuz it's very much like um like Lethal Weapon 4. This is fantasy action, okay? This is yeah. fantasy action. Oh yeah. Um, so Smecker's going to come in and he realizes now what's going on. He says, I have a, um, I have a jacket on every one of these guys that's dead. So he knows the background on all these guys. He knows they're all scumbags. And he also sees what happened. He knows these fucking idiots fell through the ceiling and somehow <laughs> got lucky and, and took these guys out. Um, but at this point, at this moment in the movie, this is where smacker goes from wanting to catch these guys to wanting to help these guys. And he is going to feed these dumb detectives, this story about, Oh, I think this is going to be the beginning of a gang war, uh, mafia war. And he knows this isn't the beginning of any fucking mafia war, but he wants to throw them off the scent, which is very easy. Cause they're now have stopped even trying to do their jobs and they're just watching him solve the crimes. So He says, this is the beginning of this mafia war. And they're okay. And he knows it's not.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right.
2: Uh, Don't forget Rocco coming in. Don't go over it. One of you guys take it because this is a great scene.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. They grab him. They pull him in. He's pissing his pants, essentially, because they're going, we're going to kill him. Do him right here. And yeah, (laughs) just... They they've set him up though you know like there's all yeah. these dudes in there and they sent him in there with six bullets. So yeah, it's so
2: like- yeah, that exposition lets us know now that uh, Giuseppe is done with Rocco and he's looking to have him taken mm-hmm. out. Um, and you know he, I love Giuseppe at the end. You know, fuck, fuck, fuck. He's just losing his mind. Yeah, it's really great. So- I just I
0: also love the um, I, again I think it shows how playful and again close they are with their friends because when they're like oh, and he's like look he's like we've got to fuck with them. you know what i mean like yes. <laughs> most people would be like we got to get the fuck out of here he's like oh we have to fuck with them you know what yeah. i mean like yeah yeah
2: yeah and they're all acting as if there's not a fucking room full of just gutted human beings
0: right <laughs> but then when they like, and i also love the realization when he's like it's a fucking six shooter yeah and then they get mad for him because he doesn't have a fucking clue what was yeah. gonna happen what were you gonna yeah. do
2: joke the other two to death laugh the last two to death
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you have to think like that's that's hoping that each one of those six bullets killed somebody right you know like you know you you shoot and you miss somebody now you're down a bullet you know you
2: walk into a room of nine you know mob guys and you've got a six shooter you just serve them food and leave
1: (laughs) right yeah no true all right, so the following day, the brothers try to convince Rocco that he was sold out by the Italian mob boss pa- Papa Joe Iacovetta, played by Carlo Rota, because he was sent to the hotel with the six shooter, um, despite the fact that there are nine mobsters in the hotel room. Rocco soon realizes this after killing two of Iacovetta's men at a deli later on, who hint to Rocco that he was really sold out. In retaliation, Rocco and the brothers hunt down and kill Vincenzo La Pazzi, played by Ron Jeremy, the underboss of the Iacovetta crime family at a local strip club. Also killed at the strip club are two street criminals with no connection to any organized crime, thus disproving Smecker's mob war theory. So I think at this point, he's just going to go all in on what he was actually initially thinking. Um, the three vigilantes proceed on a series of increasingly violent missions, cleansing the city of vicious criminals and others who have eluded justice. Papa Joe, believing that the mob killings are an act of revenge from Rocco for setting him up to be killed, contracts the famous killer, Il Duce, played by Billy Connolly, to deal with the vengeful package boy. And Mickey, I don't know about you, but it gave me great joy to see Ron Ron Jeremy get shot,
0: so I was down. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it it really did. I mean, I'm sure, like, in real life Ron Jeremy is a hell of a guy. But you know what I mean? Like I his character was just so slimy. He just he literally made my skin crawl.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. I've heard plenty about him not being a, a nice guy. Oh, so. yeah, see I don't.
0: <laughs> um but just I I feel like yeah, he just uh, like I'm just imagining the scene now and I'm like, Whoa! you know, what I mean? yeah, gross. <laughs> my gag yeah. reflex is on high right now. Yes.
2: The the diner scene was great where Rocco goes in and shoots the two, um, the two made men, you know, we're going to get the slow motion kills. The blood is great. Um, Again, you know, it had, it had notes of uh Pulp Fiction in it for sure. Yeah. Um, In the apartment. I mean, have we got there yet? We're in the apartment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So when the cat is accidentally shot, this is almost note for note with the scene where, um, uh, Travolta and, um, What's his name? Samuel L. Samuel L. is driving in the car and the gun accidentally goes off and blows the guy in the backseat's head off. Um, same, same scene. I mean, and, and I, and like Delin said, I thought it was going to be Rocco that was going to get it. Like I thought they were going to steal it note for note, but it's the cat and it's fucking great. I love animals, but that fucking cat, man, is like La Machine, you same. know? Thing is, fucking it's, liquefied. It's, a, it's
0: a horrible scene, but it's it's funny for what it was trying to do. Um, definitely, definitely. <clears throat> and I actually, the first time I saw it, I missed it. I'm like, I didn't catch what happened, <clears throat> so I had to rewind it. And then I was horrified, I was horrified. But then they stick the little page of a book, it's <gasps> so funny,
2: <laughs> so funny.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's great. It's not even like they put a whole post. This is almost like in Dumber Dumber. When they've got this huge stain and they put like this little thing over it. It's like, it's, it's a joke. But I also
0: love too again, how they show them, you know, all sitting around the table, they're eating pizza, they're drinking, they're smoking, they're, they're bonding over what they just did because, you know, they're like, holy shit, like we're doing this now. We're actually really doing this now.
2: Yes. Yes. And, uh, and at this point, it's at this point, they definitely have Smacker on their side because he's going to start hiding evidence and stuff going forward.
1: To uh, uh, can keep we, these guys. Yeah. Can we talk about the girlfriend, too, showing up? And it's like, Rocco, where's my cat? And you you don't, yeah. don't even know the cat's name. What color was he? He was He orange. says, I'll,
2: I'll shoot myself in the head if you give me that cat's name. And then <laughs> she gives it to him. He's like, fuck, fuck. What color was it?
1: <laughs> and she says wrong. She says he was orange. Wasn't he gray?
2: He was gray. Like white and gray and black <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Fucking funny as
1: hell. <laughs> and the girl, the girl, the friend that's with her. I go down to get a pack of cigarettes and I run into nine guys you you fucked. I'm like, oh my God.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love the sin bin. And when they're going into the sin, sin bin, bin, fucking. Fucking Rocco's mask. Like, what is up with that mask? Rocco? Like, with yeah, the, the, it's like all cut, fucking. He's jagged. Like, he's like, Are you sure you're Obi Kaby? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're Obi Kaby? Oh God, it's <laughs> and so that, bad. And,
0: and too, like, even. When they show uh, Ron Jeremy kind of strutting in there with the car keys in his hand. And I'm just like, "Uh," you know what I mean? Like you, you, you really can't wait for them to kill him. I I couldn't wait. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love in this scene, um, in the, in the, in the sin bin, where Smekker is putting together the scene, you know, we're getting this again and he's trying to figure out how the bullets got from each side and he figures it out by crossing his arms which I thought was pretty clever. You know, nothing's getting by him. He's a really good detective. And Greenlee's going to finally come up with a, a good theory. So it almost shows a little growth in, in Greenlee's character where he's starting to pick up on some of the things that Smecker is telling him. And he actually comes up with a good theory here. And Smecker gives us another great line, you know, looks like we got us a cowboy, you know? And <laughs> his character is just full of these amazing lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Yep. Absolutely. And of course you uh get that scene with El Duce in the uh prison. Mm-hmm. And I mean they've got him locked down like he's Hannibal Lecter.
2: It is, It's it's taken right out of fucking <laughs> silence of the lambs. And, and they're like it. Move him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then
1: lower in the little cage down on top of him.
2: Yes. But but here's the joke is they're doing all this to and release him into society. They
1: give Not him a help.
2: Not happening. That's
1: not That's how you play. P- no, yes. you don't have oh, so. 18 dudes with shotguns trained on the guy just when they're moving him. If you're going to give him parole, correct,
2: <laughs> correct.
1: <laughs> yep. Oh man. <sighs> so Rocco insists that he and the brothers murder a hitman that Rocco had briefly worked with. According to Rocco, the man was responsible for mur- murdering Lila for murdering an entire family and had burnt their remains in a dumpster. They head to the hitman's house and murder all of his men. After a hand-to-hand fight, Rocco beats the hitman to death with a cue ball. As they leave the hitman's house through the front door, the trio is ambushed by El Duce, and in the resulting shootout, the trio manages to chase El Duce away. But (laughs) Rocco's finger gets shot off, and each of the brothers receives serious but not mortal gunshot wounds, which they cauterize with a hot iron.
2: God bless you.
1: Sorry, I had to sneeze. <laughs>
2: Should have seen it. It was amazing. <laughs> just one? You will always sneeze
1: in threes. It was just, what happened the it was okay. just the one. It was just the one. It just it was coming and I couldn't stop it. That's <laughs> okay.
0: funny. I love so, that scene. And I love I love how they said um uh, I love when the when the um oh god. Um the main uh God, what the hell is his name? Uh Rocco's boss. Oh, um, Papa Joe. Papa Joe when he goes to see the guy in the bathroom and they and they're talking and he's like there's only one Oh no, I'm sorry, not Papa Joe. Um, Giuseppe. Nope, Smekker. When Smecker goes to see the guy and he's like he only has one rule, no women, no kids. Um right. and that is going to come into play later. Um but I just I love I love that old guy. Um I think he I think he's the grandfather of
1: I think so. Papa
0: Joe or yeah. Something. Mom. I think so, and I can't figure
1: out why he's working as an attendant in a restroom, but... So, when Rocco
2: recalls um, the killing of the family, uh, this guy reminds me of Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction as well, Yes. Okay? Yes. So, again, we're going to get another callback, and the I don't cleaner. think that... Yeah, I don't think that Duffy was ripping it off by any means, because this movie definitely had its own signature, but he was borrowing, and doing it Um tastefully. Yes. So yeah. I I didn't feel like I was was...
0: so creepy too.
2: Oh, he was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Fucking A. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fucking A. Fucking A cotton. Fucking A cotton. Oh my goodness. So hours later at the crime scene, Smecker discovers Rocco's finger and he secretly takes it to conduct his own investigation. Actually, I'm gonna pause here. Smecker with the little the little leather pouch on his belt with the two rubber gloves in it. So <laughs> oh my good. I also
2: want And I also want to underline here that while he's unraveling this crime scene, this is where um, Duffy is going to give us the same scene again, but this time he is going to put Smecker in the action. So yes. while Smecker is giving unraveling his theory- it unraveling it he is actually standing there you know pointing at the guys and i thought that that kept this fresh instead of being like oh my god i've already seen this four times in this movie no Mm -hmm. he he realizes what he's doing and goes out of his way to make it feel fresh and i like that
1: absolutely Uh but yeah i just i loved a little Thing on his belt with the the little leather pouch with the two rubber gloves in it. I'm just like, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So discovering that this finger belongs to Rocco, who he's previously met because he remembers him from the precinct, Smecker begins to unravel the mysteries surrounding the various murders. His sympathy for the brothers conflicts with his professional desire to bring them to justice. Smecker goes on a drinking binge at a gay bar before seeking advice from a nearby Catholic church. I know. <laughs> Bemoaning the futility of the courts that fail to punish evil men and his uncertainty with the McManus brothers' actions in a confessional, Smecker is oblivious to the fact that Rocco, who has tracked Smecker to the church, is forcefully directing the priest's responses to preserve the boondock saint's identities. Connor sees Rocco follow the priest into the confessional and, disgusted with the show of blasphemy, pulls Rocco's head through the other confessional at gunpoint. In whispered tones, Rocco tries to explain to Connor the circumstances while still holding his gun to the priest's head. So oh, good. Smecker is advised reluctantly by the priest that the saints are acting as messengers from God and that the laws of God are greater than the laws of man. Inspired by the advice, Smecker decides to help the brothers. So Mickey, this is like this whole scene has a potential to go very sideways very quickly.
0: Yes, and I, and I love <laughs> I love the the priest. Because you can tell as he's talking to Smecker, who really wants to help the the brothers, that he's like, and he he hates to admit it because Smecker's a you know he knows so what Smecker does. he's like, the laws of God mm-hmm. are more powerful than the laws of man, and you can tell he's like, "Fuck, I hate the fact that I have to say this to you, mm-hmm. but I have to say this to you, yes." So I, I love that scene. And I love, I love again how the brothers are like, you're not gonna hurt the priest to Rocco, even though that's their friend, you're not gonna fucking hurt this guy. He's a priest. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just they're you can tell they're just inherently good. They're stand-up guys, and this is the second time they're gonna
2: tell Rocco something like this because we're in the apartment and they're cauterizing all their wounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Rocco sees Smecker on the news. And he says to the brothers, this guy is a loose end. We need mm-hmm. to get rid of him. And the brothers say, No, he's a good man. We're not going out. He isn't to be touched, right? Yeah. Not to be, touched,
0: right? yeah. not to be yeah. touched.
2: And um, I love in the confessional booth, the uh the priest says, um that he he asks if you know these guys are dangerous, and uh Specker says no, no, the two brothers aren't dangerous. He goes, the Italian guy, you know, he might pull your fucking head off. And the priest makes this, at first he makes his face like, oh, and he says the brothers wouldn't hurt a fly. And then he realizes it's the it's Italian, Italian guy God. with a gun into his head. And he makes this face like, oh, fuck.
0: That was such a great scene.
2: It was. And, and there's so many great moments like this where the actors are giving, are letting us in on the joke just with a face. A joke yeah. that isn't even written, you know? And I loved it.
0: And even, even you know, he's like, you know, I I believe what they're doing is right. And you can tell he's coming to this realization. He's having like an epiphany in the confessional. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to help them. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And he's like, fuck it. You know, And he's like, yeah, "I, I, you know, I, I believe what they're doing is right because our system is not working.
2: Yeah, and I love how the priest just doesn't give a fuck about anybody. He's just get the fuck out of the church. Like I don't want to have anything to do with this drama. Just Everybody get fuck out. Party's over. Get the fuck out. Get um, out. So we're gonna get a scene where Giuseppe gets killed. Um, nope. and I mean, I mean, where Giuseppe kills uh, Rocco. Sorry, yeah,
1: you're jumping ahead.
2: Oh, I didn't know. I can't tell the way you're reading the script where we are. I don't want to miss any of these scenes. So go ahead. Oh no,
1: we're getting there. This is okay. the next thing. Okay. Okay. So the McManus brothers and Rocco infiltrate the Yacaveta headquarters to finish off the family, but are captured by Papa Joe and his henchmen, who recently arrived to protect Papa Joe from such an attack. Papa Joe executes Rocco to intimidate the brothers. The brothers, and what are you doing over there?
2: The same thing Mickey's doing. I'm fucking out of drink like a half an hour ago. So I'm, I'm like uncapping and like licking for chocolate and coffee. You know, it's like it's over.
0: <laughs> I muted myself,
2: though.
1: Yeah, oh. she's muted. You're making a ton of noise.
2: You know why? Because it's my show.
1: Stop that. Stop okay. that. Look at
2: how oh, offended Lord. she gets.
1: I do, because you're the one that is always complaining about people not listening to the show and they don't listen
0: because of things like that.
2: No, they don't listen because you can't read the script properly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. God, it sounds you guys, I sound like I'm in my house. You oh, guys you. sound like Tony and I so much. <laughs> I Yeah, I just like it known for the record that I am not an infant 100% of the time. Like I all have right. my adult moments.
2: I okay. want to just, for the record, just say that I am an infant all the time, and sometimes I even regress <laughs> further back. There's <laughs> never a moment when I adult, ever, 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 ever. It just gets, it's this or even worse. That's so funny. there you go.
1: Okay. So the brothers manage to free themselves and tend to Rocco while Smekker, disguised as a female sex worker and chef's kiss to that drag, it's amazing, distracts the other mobsters. Smekker kills the remaining mobsters only to be knocked unconscious by El Duce, who mistakes Smekker for a woman. As the brothers say their family prayer over Rocco, El Duce arrives and sneaks up behind them. As he hears them recite the family prayer and upon seeing the man he was hired to kill, Rocco, is already dead, he lowers his weapon and joins them. It becomes apparent that El Duche is their long lost father, as the brothers have previously refused to teach Rocco the prayer because it's only passed down in their family. He then joins them in their mission to rid the city of evildoers. And the twist got me, Des. I don't know. Did it get you?
2: Yes, 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, see I, it well, I did see it coming that um, Smecker was going to start helping these boys get away with the crimes but I did not see them becoming the League of Extraordinary Men with fucking with uh, Deuce like I didn't realize they were going to become like um, some villainous version of the Justice League you know what I mean yeah
0: Yeah. so um,
2: but when Giuseppe kills Rocco so this scene is adds a layer to this movie that I didn't think we were going to get it's a very powerful scene yeah, and it, and we're mm-hmm. going to slip into that Mystic River territory, where it's going to make you feel the feels, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and and I like that. I like that. I liked I liked it the way I liked the way he was able to just slip in and out of these moods, you know, feather these different types of characters in and out, make them work together, and then for Rocco to deliver this final performance before he died. It was just really great. It was really great. Yeah. And uh, and you got to like hand it to fucking Defoe. Like the gentleman is committed to the craft because this deep kiss at the front door with this fucking mob guy. I'm like, I'm like, wow, the man is committed to the craft. <laughs> you know, I,
0: I said to Tony, that was that was like the highlight of that guy. The other guy's career was like French kissing Willem
1: Because I've never so seen that
0: guy in anything else. No, No. me neither.
1: When he's on the bathroom floor and the skirt is going up and you can see his tighty whiteies underneath the lacy underwear.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And come on. (laughs) So let me ask you. So this, this mob guy, he has to know that Defoe is a transvestite and he's one of these guys that wants to explore this, but wants to tell himself that, that, you know, Oh no, this is a fucking woman for sure. But he knows it's not a woman.
0: When even well, he even said like you know was Joey B's always sending us Primo box like right there I want to punch the guy in the face just yes. for saying something like that like if I had met this guy at a bar I probably would have spit in his face. Willem um, Defoe is not Primo box. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying like and uh, Willem Defoe is an ugly woman. You know I mean? he's an ugly <laughs> he's man. Like- <laughs> Jesus Christ! I saw it. I was like,
2: huh? Ah. yeah.
0: Um, But you know what else I love is and this scene is one of those scenes that is very um, sticks out to me in this movie when um, when he's on the floor and his wig starts coming off and he's really ugly and the guy goes, what the fuck? And you, re- Willem Dafoe realizes that he's been had. And so he yeah. shoots the guy. But when he sits up and his, you can see his like lips, you know, he's like. Brr. And like yeah. you can see he's just like, I can't fucking believe I just did this. And it's like in slow motion. And you can see on his face like he's like, I'm like, you know, and then he stands up and he's like, it's on now. Like, I just did this. Yeah. Like, I'm a I law was enforcement sure. officer and I fucking did this.
2: I was sure he was going to die in this scene. I was sure he was going to not in the bathroom scene, but I thought he was going to get killed going through this house for sure. Really? Yeah, because I just didn't, I didn't see his character ending the way it did. I thought he was going to die trying to help these kids.
1: So do you remember uh, the movie E.T.? And they put E.T. in the wig with the hat and the dress. Oh, shit, (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: wonderful.
2: I would have rather kissed E.T. though, 100%. That's funny. Oh my Willem god. Defoe to
0: me, yeah, like Willem Dafoe to me is like he's weirdly um he's intriguing to me. Like I don't I don't I wouldn't look at Willem Dafoe and go, he's a good looking guy. But like there's something about him. He has some sort of weird magnetism that is very attractive to me. Like
2: I will say intriguing? when he got out of the police car in the beginning of the movie with the music, I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I was something, like, he looks there's something good.
0: about him that's appealing. Yeah. So he's very appealing and that and I don't I don't know what it is. He's just cool. Like a charisma. Like, yeah, he's yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Very hair. very intriguing and very um yeah. just like like if if I saw if I was there and I saw this guy get out of the car I'd be like I want to meet that guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Because me he's just like super super
2: confident. Mm-hmm. He's got a very uh a very um unique face. Yes, You know, like, yes. like for instance, him in Streets of Fire. He just looked cool, you know. It's like, kind of looks yeah. fucking cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely.
2: So there were some heavy-handed moments with religion here that we glossed over. Um, like, for instance, in the apartment scene when the uh, brother is trying to free himself from being handcuffed around the toilet. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a, a close-up of his hands with the blood dripping down them. And it's, you know, it's very Christ on the cross and we're going to get some, you know, tons of closeups of the rosaries and, you know, and these guys are living by their faith, which I think is really cool. And then eventually they're dead to rights here at the end. You know, um, Deuce has got them dead to rights. Mm -hmm. They're over the guy. They're saying the prayer. And Deuce comes in from behind. And if he wants, he could just take these two kids out now. Mm -hmm. But he hears them delivering this prayer and he knows this prayer and he starts saying the prayer with them and they're saved by their faith at this moment. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was very cool. I, I really liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was touching.
2: It was, and it fit the movie and it was a nice, just, you know, it was a nice tidy bow um, I thought it was a little strange to do, you know, this. Uh, like you could set your watch by this hitman, is what they're saying. You know, like he completes every job, but even he decided his faith was bigger than completing this job and wanted to.
1: Well, he was you supposed know, to kill Rocco. Kids. He was supposed to kill Rocco. He, not, nobody had ever said anything about the other two kids to him.
2: No. Nope. I thought that the I thought Giuseppe had him there to protect him from anybody coming in to to harm um, him. Nope. Hmm. Okay. Nope. Well, fine. Good. Nope, Even because, better uh,
1: Giuseppe says at some point, um, you know, he's not going to, he's out there in the bushes right now. He's not going to stop until the job is done. Let's wrap this thing up. Okay. Three months later, Papa Joe is sent to trial. And though there seems to be enough evidence to convict him, the reporters on scene anticipate his acquittal due to his gaudy-esque charisma. The trial is forcefully interrupted when the two brothers, and El Duce, aided by Agent Smecker and several of the police officers infiltrate and lock down the courtroom the three then publicly declare their mission to destroy evil and recite their prayer one last time killing papa joe with several bullets and a shotgun blast to the back of the head the media dubs the three saints and the movie ends with various man on the street interviews in which various boston citizens reflect on the questions are the saints ultimately good or evil
0: so what do you think i love that i love that they ended it that way yeah
1: yeah.
2: Um we're going to get a few of these news uh broadcasts throughout the movie, you know, kind of a tip of the hat to um, RoboCop, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um So the end of this movie I had uh, this is this is where the movie's going to get a ding from me. So they killed Giuseppe in front of all these people, which is fine. I mean, it's cool. I I mean, it works for the movie because that's what they're supposed to do. The problem was I wasn't dying to see Giuseppe get his like I didn't I wasn't like waiting for him to get his throughout the movie like I'm hating this villain and I can't wait to see him get what's coming to him because he just he wasn't a bad guy in my mind. He never did anything that made me be like I hate him and I was kind of making the comparison to Lynn. So in the original Rambo movie um, Sheriff Teasel,
0: for you sure. fucking
2: hate this guy. Right yes. off the bat. And you're just like, <clears throat> by the end, you're just like, ramble. you fucking killed his asshole. You want him to get it. And I did not have that emotion for Giuseppe. And I thought that was a, um, I thought that was the first mistake that um, that was made in this.
0: I mean, honestly, but only, I think. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, the
1: only thing that you know that he did is set up Rocco. And why and did that's he That's what set I was going to say,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably why that they made him the example, because A, he was a shitbag anyway, and B, he killed their one of their best friends. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I wasn't invested in the character um, enough by this point to make this kill feel satisfying as a closing scene in the movie. Um, I wanted to hate Giuseppe more. I wanted this to matter and it just like, didn't, and that's yeah, just me, a fact. Give me
1: a five minute scene of him like stealing lunch from kids or something. I don't know. Yeah, or
2: like, or like you know, beating the McManus brothers' uh, new puppy and then sending it to him in a box. Right.
0: And then oh, I'm like, I thought, "That's
2: terrible." Yeah, but but no, but that's what they—that's the trope that they pull off in um, uh, the Keanu movie,
0: John Wick. Yeah, John Wick. Think- so. I think that's maybe why they tried to make this the scene where they, where Rocco is killed so dark and they make um, Connor just, you know, crying and screaming and no, no, no. And then you have Murphy like break my fucking wrist to get me out of this chair. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why they did it that way. So you, maybe that they would, that would spur you to hate him more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you. I didn't, I didn't feel like, I didn't hate him as much as they probably wanted you to, but I still thought it was a great scene. And I love the way, um, El Duce like takes the girl by the chin and says, you have you eyes up front. You have to watch. watch. You have to see this. Yeah. Um, because I want you to tell the world.
2: Giuseppe felt like a businessman to me. Um, they just, the character building just wasn't there with Giuseppe. They, They just didn't, um, They just didn't invest enough time into building his character to where it needed to be to make this final scene um, have the impact that they wanted it to have. And everybody else pulled it off. All the other characters were perfect. And the acting was fine. The scene was fine. Like you said, that's great where they make the woman watch. I loved all that. It's Mm -hmm. just there was no satisfying (laughs) moment in watching Giuseppe die. So that was my only ding on this movie, really, which is pretty small.
1: And yeah, it's not on the actor, it's definitely on the writing.
2: Yeah. 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 It's just character development in the one character. Yeah. But I um, love
0: I love I love the the man on the street interviews because I mean I think that's it's such a it's such an intense subject.
2: Yeah. Sure. And I loved how huh. a lot of people were no comment because they didn't want to be involved in it. Cause they don't yes. know who these guys are. They still out there, don't say the right. wrong thing. But I did have a problem with this. Not one person had a Boston accent, and they're on the streets of Boston. So you know you're gonna get a lot of fucking guy. You know this fucking kid. These guys are good guys. You know I love that really, girl. She's
0: like I love the Saints, man.
2: Yeah, these are like all people from California. Like you know I love the Saints. They're very nice people. It's like this is not what we're
0: gonna get on the streets um, of Boston. But it's it's such a it's such a like intense subject because like I think every time I watch the movie, I end up having this discussion with somebody like. What are your thoughts on what they're doing?
2: It's fine. They're Spider-Man. Yeah.
0: yeah. I yeah. mean, they're, killing a, I,
2: they're superheroes. As well as I agree.
1: Just, you know, Spider-Man usually just wraps the guy up and leaves him for the cops.
0: But
2: Then they're the punisher.
0: Yeah. I agree. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're doing what the police can't do because of all the legal bullshit red tape that you go through. Um, and then someone said to me once, well, who are they to say who's bad and who's not? Well, clearly there's a line. Yeah, sure. You know they
2: haven't crossed it.
0: Animal abuser, yeah. Pedophile, yeah. Drug pusher, yeah. Like heavy drug pusher. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. not talking about you know marijuana or whatever, but like meth. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah.
2: fentanyl.
0: I, I don't know. I I feel like you know. <laughs> I was just seeing. Uh, I just read something the other day. This guy, um, he was arrested for something. Um, some kind of drug charge and he assaulted somebody and they looked, at he, and the guy's like 25 years old. He's had 23 prior arrests and he's still not in jail. Like, no what the fuck? And my husband is a former cop. Right. And the crap that he would see and the crap that he would have to deal with, you know, he would spend so much time on something and then get it to court and then it would be like, okay, here's your slap on the wrist. And especially the state of New York,
2: Right. Oh yeah. Oh my
0: God! Ridiculous.
2: Yeah, yeah. Massachusetts not quite as uh, easy to get off on things. Kind of a strict state, but in general, you're 100 percent right. You know, people just are allowed to continue making mistakes over and over
1: and over and over and over. Well, over, I think over. you also have the problem of jail overcrowding and things like that as well. Right. But right. Doesn't doesn't excuse it, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm
2: okay with, uh, the vigilantes and, um, you know, same with Bruce Willis in that movie. He just did about the vigilante. I loved it. Fucking oh, death wish. Him. Yeah. Death wish. Go get them.
0: That get was him. a, did you see the original with Charlie yes. with Charles Bronson? Oh God, I loved those.
2: Yeah. I loved all those. I loved I all loved the dirty them. Harry's. They're all great. So yeah. maybe we'll do um, a death wish.
0: But yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I think that, uh, you know, when I saw this movie for what I'm like, fuck, yeah, I love them. Keep it. Yeah. Keep it up. Hundred no, percent. They're <laughs> you know superheroes. I mean? I got that's a list.
2: <laughs> like I said. That's what I wrote. They're a uh, they're a dark version of the Justice League. So I saw yeah. them like superheroes at the end. Um, so I think that does it. Let's um, go to the recasting couch, and we'll all pick a character. We'll recast them in the movie. I'll start, and I'm going to be replacing Bob Marley's character with one Bill Burr. Oh, oh, yes, mm. yes. This is great. All right. No. All
1: right. Yeah. I, can I like see it.
2: that. Uh mm-hmm. Dylan, what character will you be replacing?
1: So, I I know this is a little odd, but I'm going to go for it. So, I would replace the two brothers, both of them, and I'd replace them with Robert Patrick and Richard Patrick. Robert Patrick was T2, he was the terminator, and he has a a brother. I think he's a younger brother who was in a band called Filter, but he it oh, yeah. looks a lot like him, and I feel like he could probably pull it off and it just seems like it would be a cool,
0: cool flick for them to do that
2: interesting
1: so, different
0: things, little Mickey toys. gosh, um, you know I think I would probably if I was gonna replace anybody, it may be um Papa Joe, okay, um, and I'm thinking like. <sighs> What the hell's his name? Um, Sorvino. Paul Sorvino. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would work for sure. Um, I mean, I like the guy that played Papa Joe. I think he did a good job. But I think, like, for me, you look at Paul Sorvino and you go, oh, gangster. You know what I mean? Like, he's like a yes. gangster in every fucking movie he plays. So yeah. I feel like he would have been a good Papa Joe.
2: It's not you a stretch James for James Gandolfini.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gandolfini would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, all right. I thought those were pretty good recasts. Do we like the movie with these actors?
1: I do. Okay.
2: It's watchable. It's not as good as the one we got. I think Bill Burr would have been a, uh, an upgrade over Bob Marley here. I think Bill Burr would have played that part perfectly. Um, Very similar to the role he played in the heat. So I think it would have worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, All right. So final thoughts and rewatch scores. I will start off so like I said I'd never seen this movie before, um I fucking loved this movie. Um I'm going to give it a 4.75 rewatch score. It's almost a perfect movie in my mind. It's right up there and I know this is going to be a unpopular take with the listeners, but it's up there with um Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction with me. It's it's in the same conversation. Uh, not quite as good, but in the same conversation and I'm taking a quarter of a point away just for the lack of character building with Giuseppe and the fact that I, I wasn't wanting to see him die at the end. And it kind of took some of the steam out of a scene that could have been a glorious ending to a excellent movie. So yeah, 4.75 fucking great movie. Dylan, what do you think?
1: I'm gonna give it a four point four. I really okay. enjoyed it. I, there was, yeah, there's some times where it's like it's a little B movie, a little bit. Like, and I'm talking very briefly, you know. Like, I'll just be like, oh, this is, takes me out of it a little bit, but, but that's rare. It's it's actually a lot of fun. So four point four from me.
2: And Mickey.
0: Um, I think for me, you know, there there's. I, I love a lot of things about this movie. You know, I think this this movie, I think Sean Patrick Flannery was awesome. I think this was one of his better roles. Um, yeah. You know, and the, I think this was also the movie that put Norman kind of on the map bef- sure. way before Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Team Norman, I'm good. Oh, um, yeah. And... Um. And Billy Connolly, I mean, Jesus, he was the perfect. He was the perfect Duce slash dad. Oh, um, so, so I think good. I'd give it a 4.75.
2: Awesome. All right. So with the 4.75, a 4.75, and a 4.4, this movie is going to be a 4.68 rewatches. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking great movie. If you haven't seen Boondock Saints, what are you waiting for? Go see it. It's a great fucking movie. Uh, Mickey thanks for bringing this one to us. Again, it's a movie I haven't seen that uh I'm glad I got to. And it's it's funny. You know, what's great about this podcast is it's forcing me to see movies that I wouldn't normally watch and some I love and some I don't love so much, but it definitely is fun to uh view new movies. Um so next week we will be back with uh Patrick and we will be reviewing Office Space. Uh, One of my favorites. It's a fun, fun comedy. I know Pat's never seen it, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what he thinks of it. Um, Then we will be back the following week with Mickey where we will be reviewing Creepshow. Again, a movie I haven't seen in a while, but I remember loving it as a teenager. Dylan, you've never seen it?
1: Oh, no, I've seen it. I just haven't seen it in a million years.
2: Okay, but you didn't even recall the Tasmanian Devil, so you've no. never seen it.
1: I've, and, I've uh, seen it because I've seen the thing with Stephen King and the Moss, so okay. I've definitely seen it. Just Seen a little it's, of it. Been a, it's been a very long time.
2: And then the following week, we'll be back with Tony's Tales of Terror, where we will be doing the 1982 movie, The Thing, with Kurt Russell, who I was sure was played by Chris Christopherson. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lynn, please tell the listeners where they can find the show.
1: You can find us everywhere. We are at Gmail at hey, did you ever see that movie at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a line, request a movie, anything, just say hi. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at hey, did you ever see that movie? You can find us on Twitter at hey, did you ever see that movie? And you can find us on Instagram at hey, did you ever see that movie? <laughs>
2: All right. And I have started a sister podcast to go with the show and instead of reviewing movies, I am reviewing records, albums, and it's called Breaking Vinyl. You can find that anywhere you find this show that's Breaking Vinyl. And we release the show normally every Sunday. So if you're into music, stop by and check that out. And as always, you know I love watching movies from opposite ends of the house with you and then reviewing them. We did watch a little of this one together and nothing's changed. It was a little strange. I'd like to uh, avoid doing that. (laughs) Mickey, as always, you've picked great movies and the listeners always seem to like them. So we always get a nice turnout for the ones you pick. And uh, I really enjoyed this one. So thank you for bringing this movie to my attention. And uh, until next time, I just have one question for you. Hey, did you ever see that movie? See you later. Bye.